For Friday, December 16th, it's the early word from the WNYC Newsroom. Hi there, I'm Isaac Davy Aronson with a look at this morning's top news, the day ahead, and reporting highlights from the WNYC News team. Coming up, Cindy Rodriguez has an update on her investigation into the city's three-quarter boarding houses. And we've got a look at one path some laid-off New Yorkers are trying out, cooking school. We start with this morning's top headlines just ahead. The Early Word is a production of WNYC Radio. You can support this podcast by making a donation at WNYC.org, where you can also get the latest updates on this morning's headlines on the news page. The House was on its way late last night to approving the tax cut deal struck by the White House and Republicans. Some Democrats had been demanding alternatives, which held up the vote all day. The measure would prevent taxes from increasing for most Americans on January 1st. Opponents say it's too generous for the wealthy, and House Democrats had wanted to amend the bill's estate tax cuts. Over in the Senate, Majority Leader Harry Reid has pulled back a more than a trillion-dollar catch-all spending measure after some Republicans took back their support. The measure is laced with home state pet projects. Reid says he'll now work to produce a short-term funding bill to keep the government in operation into early next year giving Republicans a better chance to influence the government funding bill when they take control of the House and increase their numbers in the Senate. California regulators have approved the first cap-and-trade system in the nation to give polluting companies in that state, such as utilities and refineries, financial incentives to emit fewer greenhouse gases. The Air Resources Board voted 9-1 to to pass the key piece of California's 2006 climate law with the hope that other states will follow suit. In New York, the head of the office that oversees the city's troubled payroll system has been suspended without pay following the prosecution of contractors he was supposed to monitor. WNYC's Bob Henley has more. Mayor Bloomberg and City Controller John Liu suspended Joel Bondi, the executive director of the city's Office of Payroll Administration. At issue is the mismanagement of a project called CityTime, which was to develop payroll software for the city's workforce to prevent waste, fraud, and abuse. This week, prosecutors charged four CityTime contractors with defrauding the city of $80 million. The project was initially to cost $63 million and be completed by June. But the Independent Budget Office says the cost ballooned to more than $700 million and is nowhere near completion. Earlier this year, Councilwoman Letitia James called for an investigation into the city time contract. City investigators started a probe which culminated in the federal criminal case against the contractors. It's ongoing. For WNYC, I'm Bob Henley. A Brooklyn lawmaker says he'd like to see stricter oversight of boarding houses that collect public welfare dollars to accept some of the city's most vulnerable people. Councilman Stephen Levin says he'll introduce a bill to license so-called three-quarter houses, which serve those coming from prisons, detox programs, and mental hospitals. It follows an investigation by WNYC reporter Cindy Rodriguez, which exposed an alleged scheme at those three-quarter houses. Tenants say that they're forced to go to these drug rehab programs, and they're convinced that the programs are giving kickbacks to houses in exchange for sending them a steady supply of clients. Now, one operator of one of these houses has a past criminal history. I asked HRA if they would continue to send welfare dollars to this particular housing operator, and they said they won't stop sending the payments because it would result in evictions for clients. WNYC Cindy Rodriguez. For more on her story about three-quarter houses, visit our website, wnyc.org. 
Federal prosecutors in Manhattan have charged four more people in an ongoing Wall Street insider trading investigation. U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara said in a statement the four were part of a network of technology company employees who sold inside information to investors, including hedge funds. They were charged with wire fraud and conspiracy. Three of the people charged worked at Advanced Micro Devices, Flextronic International, and Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing. A fourth worked for the company Primary Global Research, which allegedly arranged conference calls where the insiders talked with clients. In November, private employers added 14,000 jobs in New York City. The state labor department says it's a decent result, if not spectacular, with big gains in finance and accounting. Those positions are likely for the long term, but many of the new jobs are for only a few months, the holiday season. WNYC's Ilya Meretz reports. Many of the people who found a temp job this season are either selling gifts or distributing them. Since October, Anthony Hope has been delivering packages for UPS in Manhattan. Sneakers, computers. I deliver to one residential building. Every time I go to the building, it's this little girl. She's like, Santa Claus. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just UPS. <laughs> but for Hope, the job itself is a gift. He's 23, he lives with his mom, and he hadn't worked in months before he came here for an interview, the UPS Depot on 43rd Street and 12th Avenue. Like Hope, Joseph Floyd applied after seeing a Help Wanted ad online. His experience? Moving boxes at a Marshalls factory in Georgia. Didn't think I was going to get it, but they called me and I got the job. This season, UPS added 2,600 temp workers in and around New York City. UPS and FedEx both say they're hiring more and will deliver more packages this season than last year. A few big retailers like Macy's and Toys R Us also added workers. Around 8.45 in the morning, the trucks start their engines. More than 500 vehicles will fan out across the city, carrying drivers and driver's assistants with clipboards, scanners, and lots of boxes. The last day of work for Anthony Hope and Joseph Floyd is December 24th. Both men say they'll apply for permanent positions here in 2011. For WNYC, I'm Ilya Meritz. Doctors who threatened to strike at Harlem Hospital will continue taking pulses, giving x-rays, and performing surgery without a work stoppage. They voted to tentatively accept the public hospital's proposed contract. WNYC's Fred Mogul reports. For 40 years, Columbia University has hired and managed the doctors at Harlem Hospital, but that ends in two weeks, and doctors had several objections to the proposed contract with their new management group. Those problems weren't solved. The physicians give up two of their big perks under Columbia, a generous pension, and free or partial tuition for doctors' children at Columbia and other colleges. The union says it's getting other things in return for their sacrifices, an 18-month contract with no layoffs, no reduction of staffing, and a promise to fill dozens of doctor positions that have remained vacant. The contract is still being firmed up, but the union hopes to have a final version to vote on next week. For WNYC, I'm Fred Mogul. Two drifters off to see the world. Most New Yorkers will recognize Henry Mancini's Moon River from the 1961 hit comedy Breakfast at Tiffany's. Blake Edwards directed the film, which features George Pappard and Audrey Hepburn falling in love in New York. Edwards, who was 88 years old, died Wednesday night of complications from pneumonia. He was known for his witty dialogue in the movies Ten, The Pink Panther, and, of course, Tiffany's. It's like Tiffany's. Tiffany's? You mean the jewelry store? That's right. I'm crazy about Tiffany's. Edwards is remembered by his wife, actress Julie Andrews. To check out some of his work, click on culture at wnyc.org.
New York City's unemployment rate fell last month, but only slightly to 9.1 percent. Among those who've already lost their jobs, many try starting a whole new career, often in the kitchen. Two of the city's most famous culinary schools have seen double-digit increases in enrollment over the past few years. Many of their new students were forced out of established careers by the economic downturn. Doug Loriano is 49 years old. He was laid off from his job as a flight attendant two years ago and decided to enroll in the Institute of Culinary Education. He spends 16 hours in class every weekend and has to learn up to 12 recipes a day. So the rest of the week, I try to to focus on these recipes at home. Some are good and some are disastrous. It depends on if I'm paying attention. But it's all learning. It's all practice. So that's a good thing. But Loriano says he's realistic about the job prospects after graduation. He knows entry-level jobs in a kitchen, like line cooks and prep cooks, pay about $10 an hour. We all are totally aware about the fact that it's going to be such a low-paying job when you first start, because you'll be basically in the kitchen prepping all the time. But a lot of these guys are willing to put the time and effort because no one just starts off you know, becoming a chef. I won't be a chef for a very, very long time. The good news is that the culinary field has changed a lot in the last decade. That's according to Phil Gutenson, the vice president of career and alumni services at the French Culinary Institute. He says there are many more options for today's culinary school graduates. There are pop-up restaurants. There are ways to market your product online and through Brooklyn Flea and those sorts of pop-up artisan food markets. The breadth of things that people are doing with this skill set is constantly surprising us. With tuition for culinary training hovering at around $30,000, most culinary graduates are looking to get a foot in the door, hoping to work their way to the top. For more on this story from our own Janae Williams, visit our website, wnyc.org. We'll wrap up with the gig alert, our look at tonight's music scene under the moniker Warm Ghost. Paul Duncan and Oliver Chapoy create a sonic soundscape on their debut EP, Claws Overhead, which was released earlier this year. The Brooklyn duo is currently working on a follow-up full-length album due out next year. You can catch Warm Ghost live at Union Hall in Park Slope tonight. Or download this track, Open the Wormhole in Your Heart, for free on our culture page. Just click on culture at wnyc.org. And you can learn more about all the stories you heard here, download more podcasts, and go in-depth with our reporters on the news blog. It's all at our website, wnyc.org. You can hear us there 24 hours a day, as well as on the air at 93.9 FM and AM820. The Early Word is a production of the WNYC Newsroom, where the managing editor is Karen Frillman. The executive producer is Giselle Regatau. The news editor is Julianne Welby. The economics editor is Charlie Herman. Our arts and culture maven is Abby Fentress Swanson. WNYC's senior executive producer for news is John Keefe. The Early Word is produced by me. From the WNYC Newsroom, I'm Isaac Davy Aronson. Have a great day and a great weekend.